Today on the Edition Talk Show, we talk to Nathan Hartono. I met Nathan on a film set and he immediately immediately struck me as someone who is super charismatic. I've seen him perform on stage. He's very, very talented. Uh, today, we talked about how to stay true to your artistic integrity while working in a very commercial environment and how being labelled privilege affected him as a performer. Before we begin, I want to say thank you to Huone Singapore for sponsoring our shooting location. And this episode is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you for doing this. We're in it. Yes, we are. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself first? Yes. Hello, every camera. Here. Every camera. Yeah, every here. camera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Nathan Artono. I am a singer, songwriter, occasional actor, and um, new friend of Andy slash uh, future co-star. Yes. Really new. Yes, very Actually, new. Actually, we met each other at... Um, is it Nanyo? Or is it... Where is it Nanyo? I can't recall, uh, With you man. and... What's that? Joakim? Is it Joakim? Yeah. You know, we shot, then we were talking. You were, you guys were talking about Overwatch. Yes. And I was like asking you all like. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. A while ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was um, it was some fashion shoot or something like that, and that was a very brief meeting. But yeah. like, yeah, we properly met each other filming this movie that mm. I just wrapped. That you are playing a villain in. Can I say that? Yes, we, we, I, guess. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't get into specifics, but that comes out like for not till next year, twenty nineteen. Um, but yeah, man, it was really cool. Like getting to know you, getting to know your your, your wife as well. Working with the both of you, like watching all that. Your wife plays an insane person <laughs> in this movie. She's just playing herself. <laughs> She's like that in real life. <laughs> you can tell, right? She's not playing anything. I don't know. It was the first like, time yeah, I met her, but like it, it cracked me up so hard. Yeah. It took me all. Like, it took me so much to not like corpse on set completely. But yeah, yeah. It's been. It, it, it's it's uh. It's nice to finally be on this thing. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for doing it again. <laughs> so, uh, what 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 do you position yourself as? I mean, I would say singer. Yeah. Right. Um, musician I, uh, Act, actor okay, for sure like, right the, now. the default that I always go to yeah. is performer because I think that kind of generally sums up most of what I do um, I, I also have a very uh, short attention span when it comes to projects so I always tend to like jump here and there and it's never just going to be music it's never just going to be acting there's always going to be something else to kind of keep me excited um, you do a lot of different projects a lot yeah like just stage and then screen yeah. and then podcast and yeah. then, you know, YouTube videos yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. so much it's, yeah. it's, it's, it keeps me interested and it keeps me like scared I think because you never because oh, wow. you never get comfortable so like I'm always constantly like in this state of, I want to say insecurity, but like that's that's not the right word. It's discomfort. more so like yeah, yeah, discomfort. Discomfort's yeah. a better word. Um, like you're never too up in yourself with your own ability because mm-hmm. there's always something that you need to learn. There's always something that you need to make up for and like mm-hmm. figure out and like watch other people. Um, so yeah, like I prefer to call myself a performer just because I think in everything, most of the things that I do, it involves some kind of performance. Like, so be it the podcast, be it uh, performing on stage, be it like the screen or stage acting. Um, yeah. There's, there's still a lot that I need to figure out. Like for me, music is the main uh, comfort zone. Like music, stage performing, all that stuff. Um, 
I feel like I'm in complete control of that mm. realm. Not something I There's yeah. something in my eye. I just woke up every day. Did you? And you look like this. <laughs> um, no, no, you know, I, I, I genuinely attempted to try to put on makeup this morning because I haven't got enough sleep lately. So I tried to put on, like, um, foundation. <laughs> I don't know how. So I put on a layer and then I was like, I screwed it up. Then I washed it off. So I think my face might look patchy, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say. So uh, flawless, my God. Um... Yeah, most of the things uh. kind of involve performing, but mm-hmm. music is still the comfort zone. That's the, that's the place where I think I feel the least fear mm. and I feel the least nervousness about. Mm. Um, and I can always mm. gauge whether I do well or not with music. I can very realistically tell myself that was good, that wasn't so good, that was bad or whatever. But I feel like with everything else, like with acting and all these other things... I'm just taking stabs in the dark and I don't have, I have no But gauge. that's how it was when you first started with music, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. the same, it's just like you were not, you haven't been doing it for that long. Yeah, That's I the suppose. only difference, yeah. right? So like this whole time when we were filming the, the movies, yeah. to go back to that again, mm. like we were working with like really experienced actors like yourself, your wife, like we had Gurmit Singh on, we had like Dennis Chong, we had uh, Suhaimi, all these like really veteran actors, yeah, right? Man. And just watching them like on the playback, right? Just watching them perform in general, like, I know for a fact that is something that I do not currently have the ability to do. Mm. You know, to just to have, just to let go completely mm. and just be completely focused on, like, that one second and one moment. Mm. Yeah, I find that really interesting. But that's, like, basically that freedom, like yeah. the freedom you have when you're on stage. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. yeah. It's that, I don't have that kind of freedom, like, with acting. But, like, I've... Greatly admire it, and I, but I would love it's to the same it. as like when you're on stage because I saw you on stage a mm. few times. Mm. Um, when you're on stage, you are free. Yeah, pretty right? much. Pretty you much. are free, and yeah. and that comes from underst- It's like oh, he's so free, but it actually comes from like understanding the technical part, like the mic, the, the you know, yeah, like, I guess, and then understanding I guess. the stage, the singing, the pitching. Where you can exactly, you like go exactly. on? It's just so many. Like I've done like stage yeah, singing yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. and I'm super like I'm. I feel like I'm taking steps in the dark. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. I just feel it's it's about the yeah yeah. I think maybe with that. acting like with, it's all the the outside factors that are like kind of freaking you mm-hmm. out externally you know I don't know if anyone any of the listeners have ever done any kind of shooting in their mm-hmm. life but like you're surrounded by like 15 20 people there's lights you got to figure out if you're standing in the right spot yeah. you don't know whether your head is like in the actual frame things like that like I, f- I feel like the more experience you have the more you can forget about those things and just perform mm-hmm. but but this recent experience I had like that was all I could see and think about. You, know? you have been, you have been, you have acted before, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. not like this like is not your first time. one other time. <laughs> no, you did. Do you do an online series before? You did, right? I did an online series. Um, I don't know if I really count that one, just because like, like every time I've done any kind of screen acting, I I go in with the same cluelessness. Like I don't think I go in any stronger. <laughs> Because, like, it's only, like, one, two, three times, you know? Right. So, like, as opposed to, like, performing on stage where I've done it, like, over, like, three, four hundred times, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's really about getting those repetitions in yeah. and just getting your body and your 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 mind used to those right. things. Right. So, yeah. for, for all the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Nui Gui Ai Shi. Oh, yes, which is, yes. Um, A movie that uh, the movie. both of us will appear in. Yeah, well, it will eventually. be out next year. Yeah. Okay. So can we like rewind all the way to the very beginning? Yeah. Like uh, maybe tell us about your like your family, your childhood. Mm. Like how is it? Like I mean, you're Indonesian Chinese, yes. but were you like born and bred 
Well, I was born and raised in Singapore. Okay. Um, my last name is Hartono because of um, uh, racism in Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, but it's all good now. We're all yeah, yes. good friends now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I was born and raised here. Uh, went to local schools all the way until university. And yeah, like I, I didn't start singing until I was... 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents were born in Indonesia. Their parents were born in China. So mm. it's a whole thing. So, oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> China, Indonesia, then yeah. Singapore. Um, and yeah, I, I don't consider myself like fully Indonesian or China Chinese or anything like that. It's, mm-hmm. I, I was born and raised here. It's the only home I've ever known. Um, I. I'm super fond of my Indonesian heritage just because like I was raised around that kind of environment. I still have half my family there. Oh. I, my dad's family is still mostly there. His siblings are still mostly there. Okay. Um, so it feels like a second home to me, although I can't say that I completely <clears throat> like relate to it hmm. as a culture, as a society, as a country. Hmm. Um, that part is slightly more difficult just because I've never lived there for longer than like three, four weeks. Hmm. Like vacation. Yeah, like I used to work there for a while. Oh, okay. um, I actually had a had a short two year period where I was um, singing in Indonesia. Yeah, I actually saw some of yeah, your yeah, Bahasa yeah. MTVs and yeah, <clears throat> it felt that 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 period of my life felt very Hannah Montana. If anyone gets that, <laughs> like it was like I was like an Indonesian um, uh, singer on this end. But the nature of the market there is that not much really gets out. To a non-Indonesian audience so no one in Singapore really knew about it yeah. and I didn't really push it that much either because at the time I was managing myself and I just couldn't really like I, 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 I wasn't too into self-promotion so I just did like mm. this thing That's in Indonesia that could be an issue yeah. I did this thing in Indonesia on the side meanwhile I was still doing the English stuff in Singapore but they were just completely separate worlds almost like one didn't necessarily know about the other yeah. But that was like in 2013. Uh, oh, that's not that bad, not that long ago. Not actually. that long ago, no. Yeah. So you're trying to carve a, uh, like a career in Indonesia? I was trying to carve a, like, something, like a career for myself. And I just didn't exactly know where the wind was taking me, to be completely honest. Like, I knew, I spoke a bit of Bahasa, yeah. A bit so, of fluent. Not fluent at all. <laughs> I, I speak very functional okay. Bahasa. Functional. Okay. So I can have a conversation, like a casual conversation, but I can't do business in Bahasa. I can't watch the news in Bahasa. But you're managing yourself. How, how do you... Oh, no, no. So in Indi- Indonesia, thankfully, I had, um, I had some help over there. In Singapore, right. I was managing myself. Mm. Um, that's why no one here knew about it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like it was just um, a time where I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do music. I knew I wanted to write music. I knew I wanted to record music and put music out there. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't know where to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know who to do it with. And I kind of just let the wind take me wherever. And looking back, I'm very thankful it did because it gave me some really weird experiences uh, that have made me like whoever I am today la. like weird weird how like just like <clears throat> I appeared on almost every Indonesian TV station oh, okay yeah that's and 
a whole bunch of shows, like a, a whole bunch of like, because every channel has its own variety show and its own music show. It's very different from Singapore, where a lot of people still watch local TV. Yeah, like huge, huge market. Gigantic, yeah. like comparable to China, mm. um, because every channel has their own like musical variety show. So they always need guests. They always need some kind of entertainment music. So. Live music, local music is still very much alive in mm -hmm. local TV over there. Mm -hmm. um, I even did like a movie soundtrack and things like that. Okay. So like just a lot of really strange experiences that I would never have experienced that young in Singapore. I think mm. um, you were twenty. You're twenty six. I was twenty. I was right for, fresh out of army at the time, so that was I was twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. How old are you this year? Twenty. I'm twenty six. Seven. I'm how old am I? I'm 27, I'm 27, <laughs> I'm 27. I, you lose track after 24, 25, I feel. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, I just did a lot of interesting things. Like, I think me working in Indonesia was kind of like a slight primer, like a testing ground for, like, the future that I didn't even know about then of working in China. Because I, I in Indonesia, I had, like, a much softer kind of um, transition with working with foreigners to me, uh, working in a different language, mm -hmm. working in a different country, mm -hmm. working in an unfamiliar culture and society. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took all those things that I learned there and like when I first went to China in 2016 um, to compete in Sing China, mm -hmm. it was a lot less jarring, a lot less scary, a lot less insecure. It, I could focus on the music and I could just focus on like being a, like a performer because yeah. all the other things I, that would normally probably freak me out I had experienced before in Indonesia I had experienced before in like you know you're basically you, you already kind of had your deep yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. industry before yeah yeah something like that something like that yeah. like I had I, I experienced what it was like to work in an unfamiliar environment overseas because mm -hmm. like I, I've been working in Singapore all my life. You eventually just know everybody. All your life is not that long though. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working in Singapore for all of my career. Oh, okay. And I mean, if anyone works in, in Singapore in the arts industry, like after five six years, you've met everybody, you've worked with everybody, yeah. and that's an amazing thing because then you have a lot of potential for collaboration, yeah. things like this. Um, it's just that at some point you start to feel like you're in a very familiar and safe environment, you know? And like you cannot fail. And when you throw yourself into a different kind of more alien thing, and then the fear of failure becomes very real and very scary. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It was fun though. <laughs> how, how did you, I mean, what was your education like? I mean, how did you find your like passion of like pursuing music? <clears throat> My education was uh, <laughs> rocky, <laughs> I guess. Was uh, what? I was, it was rocky. I was, rocky. A, I was a shit student. I was an absolute shit student. Um, I think... Public school? Did you go to public school? Yeah, yeah. I, I went to Nanyang Primary, ACS Barker, ACJC, and then I went to US for uh, university. Okay. But um, in Nanyang, I was like... I was horrible. Um... Never studied. I completely coasted on common sense and like just being able to like logically solve a problem. So I didn't study for PSLEs at all. Right. Um, How do you do though? I did decently. That was the bad thing. If I did badly, I would have learned the lesson. <laughs> no, but because Nanyang, were, I mean, the, the the standard in the school is so high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think PSLE could be like a lower, <laughs> like easier than I've, the school. I, I really have no, I have no gauge, but that could very well be right. Okay. But like, I I was. I, Okay, I wasn't a dumb kid. Hmm. I was 
an idiot, but I wasn't a dumb kid. <laughs> you know, if you know that, if you yes. know what I mean. So I I scored like I think oh, what did I get? I got two three zero on PSLE. It was decent. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was enough to get me into the secondary school of my choice. Mm. And then when I started there, because I didn't learn the lesson of like you really should study for exams, <laughs> I never did. So throughout site one, site four, I didn't study again. But this time, like you're in a boys' school, um, you are learning the magic of fire and destruction <laughs> and things like that, and mm. you get into a lot of trouble. Um, plus, ACS you Barker, study. Right? ACS it's quite a like a. <laughs> Yeah. Woohoo, school. Yeah, 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 very much. I mean, I, 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 I don't regret my time there because I learned a lot. I made a lot of very good friends that I still have till this day. Um, and I think, like, that environment really teaches you a lot about life, right? But objectively speaking, I was a shit student. I did, like, academically, academically you were a shit I was student. so bad. Um, <laughs> what was the exam? O levels. In the end, in O levels, I scored, again, like, barely studied. I think I got, like, 20 points on the dot which is no 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 it's pretty bad (laughs) like other people are getting like 6 and 7 and 4 and shit from ACS lah right because ACS is a a pretty good school and then like um, the cut off the absolute cut off to get into any JC is 20 20, if you get 21 so I got 20 on the dot right and I applied to ACJC through choir because I thought, hey, maybe like I can hey, hey, yeah, do like, your thing. Yeah, try and like, slip <laughs> yeah. in there a little bit, um, go under the radar, and like you know maybe try get a spot in this school, um, and it and it worked. But it was then that like the fear was just struck into me, like I knew I had to study. Um, so I spent JC being very quiet. Yeah, like I studied. Oh, wow. Like I actually sat down after school. Because you're worried for the table. first time in your life. Yeah, like for the first time, I was like, ah, it turns out I'm, I'm not that smart. Like <laughs> I need to study. Like I need to learn things. I need yeah. to like memorize formulas and stuff like that. So like I would actually like stay back after school, sit in the library, study and everything. So um, yeah, I didn't do like amazingly. I didn't get straight A's, but like, I did pretty well. I, I did like pretty well for me, and that was enough. Um, so JC was probably like the most like transformative like adult growing up time, but primary school and secondary school I got into so much trouble. Like Ooh. it got to the point where, um, like throughout primary school and secondary school, the hours of school was like what like seven a.m. to one thirty two p.m. Roughly, yeah. Any time my mom got a phone call between seven a.m. and two p.m., she'd just pick up the phone, going, "What now?" Like, she didn't even say hello. She didn't even say, who's this? As long as she saw, like, a random number calling, she'd just go, what happened now? Because she would know that it's the teacher's office. Well, what, what are some of the, like, shit things that you do? Um, shenanigans. The, okay, like, I know the more... Are you going to fights or anything? The more... No, no, no. So, like, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a bad kid. There was no fights. There was, okay. like, there was no, like, smoking or drinking or drugs or... Yeah, what you do? Like um, Basking in the canteen. No. So, like, things like, like, like involving fire... Um, things involving uh, like um, climbing things you're not supposed to climb, going into places you're not supposed to go to, um, uh, breaking the fire alarm, uh, <laughs> um, getting into like fights with friends, but like not like actual fights, just like you know yeah. play fights that kind of like yeah, like like we genuinely just want to like just like oh okay, like, like you know, we're going, hey, WWE what's up? Hey, that kind of thing exactly exactly that kind of thing like you were 14, 15 yeah exactly yeah. Um, so yeah I got into a lot of detention 
I think in secondary school, like sec three and sec four, we were there almost like every day, like mm. not every day, like every week. Mm. Like we were there like one, two times a week for detention. <laughs> um, it even got to a point where we started getting good at like figuring out how to get out of detention. Like it's a whole thing. I don't want to explain it. Okay. Basically, there's a loophole where like if you got into the the dis- I hope you. I, I mean, <laughs> if you got into the discipline master's office within this like 15 minute window of time where he is finishing his work and has to go to the detention room you can potentially erase your name from the list or steal the list or get or wow. like yeah like basically like get rid yeah. of the attendance so you list are like before a, detention you starts you are a creative student well like the thing is like you need to really pick your spots with that one because it was a bit almost like a like an Ocean's 11 kind right. of heist like if you, <laughs> you need to like you need to make sure you get all the details right and you make sure you get your name out of there or else if you get caught you're going to get in much bigger trouble yeah. so we didn't play that card that often I was um, I would like to think I was a very respectful student I never once like tweet tweet you know I, I, I didn't like I didn't like uh, speak up against my teachers right. I didn't like you, you never ever got into the point whereby you're going to be expelled or suspended no, 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 so no. you were just no 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 like a naughty really boy yeah. <laughs> teachers just really didn't like me being around them but they uh, <laughs> They, I was always very respectful. I would mm. never. Um, I would always accept the punishment I was given. I would never like talk back to a teacher. I would never be rude to them. If they gave me like five detentions in a row, I'd be like, eh, I guess okay. yeah, that comes about, from your family. That's about right. No, I think that's just like, um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I I can't trace it back to anything, but um, yeah, respect your elders, right? Mm. I, I can't I can't generalize, but my yeah. sister in law is also from like a big like a uh, Indonesian family yeah. and I can tell like the culture is very different yeah. it's like they're um, I mean I'm, I'm Chinese as well yeah, you know yeah. and I'm, my family is Chinese educated and mm. but like, like the kind of like, respect of like the different tiers like your father yeah, and then yeah. your grandfather it's yeah, just yeah, completely yeah. different when it's in an Indonesian Chinese family Maybe. it's like the grandfather it's it wields this like yeah, yeah, yeah. power and respect that, that doesn't really come to I, I, I don't know if we had that in our family yeah. just you? because like we had a slightly different kind of thing going on where I, I never met my dad's parents because okay. they passed away when he was in his late 20s mm-hmm. um, and I only ever had my mom's parents hmm. and my grandpa he we didn't share any common like speaking languages other than Mandarin Chinese Bahasa? No, he didn't. Well, he spoke a bit of Bahasa. But oh, like, because he's from China. Yeah, but my main language as a child was English, and mm. my grandfather didn't speak English, so we spoke very little. Okay. Um, we were around each other a lot, and we kind of vibed each other a lot, but we never had like conversations really, because okay. like I didn't really speak that much Chinese back then, and um, uh, yeah, so we we never really had that kind of like 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 patriarchal kind of thing. Okay. But. Yeah, I don't know. It was always just like um, ingrained that you know you don't talk back to your elders, you don't disrespect them, like because as wrong or as dumb as you might think they are, sometimes like you know they they have more experience, so chances are you need to listen out for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't until like I turned like what twenty four, even twenty five, you start working in the industry a bit more, and then you realize that adults can be just as dumb as kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes even more so. Exactly. Because they don't want to learn. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Like, <clears throat> mm, yeah, I don't know. That was just something that was ingrained in me. Like. But how, how, how would you 
if you were to summarize like the, the atmosphere in your family, were they like very traditional, um, very progressive, very lovey-dovey? I would like would to you? think. Not exactly lovey-dovey. I wouldn't say my family is like very... But I saw like doing Sing China, like, yeah, yeah, was yeah. it our parents? Our parents no, 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 were no, no, like, holding us Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say that like my, my family yeah. is like openly affectionate. Like we don't like, you know, like give cuddles and hugs and like, oh, I love you, mommy, love you, daddy. We're not that kind of... Um, it's not that kind of vibe only, I think, because maybe it's like two sons, one daughter. I don't know. I don't know what the formula is. But um, we... Like there's a lot of support and a lot of presence in the family in the sense that like we're always there for each other mm. and um, we're always behind each other in whatever we're doing mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's not like openly affectionate in the way that you know like sometimes like I might see siblings or like um, uh, sons and fathers or mothers and daughters well, like super affectionate, very like you know those like Instagram like siblings. <laughs> you know those people who are like, what kind of relationship do you like? Do you two brothers have where like, you're hanging out all the time? Like, damn. Um, I find that very interesting. Um, a bit like envious of that, but yeah, I, I'm also very happy with the family that I have. Like, mm-hmm. we are all we always know we have each other's backs, you know, okay. no matter what. And um, my parents have been nothing but supportive since the beginning of this whole music thing. Um, thankfully, it kind of just worked itself out as time went by. But they, in the first few years, they would have had every reason to just go like you know something else. Were they ever like like? Um, um, I'm, I'm the sure. only time. The only time that they were um, suggesting like other things was when I was applying for universities. And even then, it was like you know you can still do music, but if you want to do something else, consider this school. Consider this school. Consider this school. Right. Wait, what do you study in university? I almost did architecture, um, <laughs> and it was between architecture, getting into the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at NUS, or going to music school. Yeah, um, I went for the architecture aptitude thing, and I kind of I ganked it completely because they they want you to build like a like this a mini sculpture thing, right. like a building, and describe it. Um, and they put you in this exam room with like like two hundred people, and they're all trying to build a building with wow. construction paper. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, uh, and then I realized how little I knew about architecture, <laughs> how little I knew about like making a building. It's like a massive arts and craft competition. <laughs> kind of, kind of. Like I went in there just thinking like, oh, I can appreciate things that look nice, and like I have a knowledge of geography and culture and I think mm-hmm. I can relate that to making things look nice but I really don't know anything about architecture <laughs> so I went in there I'm looking at other people they're making like these like ridges and these things and these things are overlapping and like really cool structures and I didn't know what the hell I was doing well like the first thought in my mind was just to create like a fifth like a rectangle <laughs> <laughs> so like I ended up just like making a robot <laughs> I made like a paper robot. Are you supposed to make a robot? No, <laughs> not no, like a no, building. No. Yeah, yeah, like I a made building. like I made like a paper robot. Yeah, yeah. I made a paper robot, and then I because they give you like a gigantic piece of paper, and then they give you like some construction paper to mold with. Mm-hmm. So I made a giant robot, and then I drew a city around it, and I drew the robot destroying the city. Um, so I just I put like imagine this robot there, yeah, and then I put a, a destroyed city and everything. I was very proud of it, but I knew it wasn't going to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Because I the test was two hours long. I wasn't mm. gonna spend two hours making like a rectangle and go like I am proud of it. <laughs> so right. um, I think what happened in the end was they sent me to a different faculty. They were like, so okay, yeah, because the, the the interview went well enough, but the test okay. was bad. So they were like, here, go to the, the faculty of arts and social sciences. They'll know what to do with you. Okay. That's where all the yeah, robot yeah. people exactly. go to. Exactly. Right. Um, and I got a place over there, but then I ended up having to choose between going there or going to Berkeley uh, mm. School of Music. Mm. And wow. Yeah. It was then when like my parents were just a bit more like, you know, if you want to consider doing something else or like business or whatever, maybe NUS would be a good place to go to. Um, but my but yeah, they would always kind of advocate like, you know. Music has been your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. It has been like the thing that you've been working on for the last, at that point, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's your choice, really, whether you want it to be a hobby or whether you want to turn it into something else completely. Oh, that's extremely supportive. You yeah, were, what, yeah. 20 then? I was 20 then. Wow. Yeah, so like, um, I remember my dad telling me, like, so you're already good at this thing. Why don't you study and get better at it as opposed to start from square one from, for something else? Mm-hmm. Um and his logic was also like, you're already good at this thing, go further with it. If you really want to do something else, make your money in this thing that you're good at and then like use that money and do whatever you want after. And that made a lot of sense to me when I was 20. You know? mm-hmm. So like, yeah, why not? <laughs> but your, your, your parents are business people, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. So mm-hmm. my mom is uh, uh, vice president of HR at um, Tonglok, mm-hmm. a restaurant company. Mm-hmm. So she deals with a lot of people, a lot of, Public relations. Kind HR, of stuff. Whole yeah. Yeah. huge. Okay. It's, it's a it's a rough it's a rough job, <laughs> um, and yeah, my dad used to work with like uh, my dad's a bit of like a nomad. Like he's done a few things, so he his main thing last time used to be like shipping and all that, and then he retired from that. Mm-hmm. And then recently he's been doing things related more to architecture, um, to uh, um, hospitality. Right. Things like that. So he's like semi-retired, but he's still doing things to keep himself like um, busy. Right. Yeah. But they are so they are practical and corporate people. Yeah. I would say right. Yeah. Why do you think they're so supportive of you? Wouldn't they think it's like? I, okay. I really I I don't know, and I don't really care to know. You know, I can only make my own assumptions about mm. it. But like the assumption there is always love and support, right? Mm. But, like, practically thinking, my theory on it is that from an early age, they figured that I didn't suck at it. And I don't think I suck at music either. Mm. I think I, I... I don't think I'm amazing, but I think I do well enough to not suck. Mm. So I have a nice... I have a good amount of buffer between sucking and being amazing to, mm. like, you know, to live in. And um, I think because of that realistic view of it, mm. the... The both of us always knew that no matter what, I would always be able to make a living out of this. Whether it be wedding oh. singer, bar singer, like freelance, whatever. And you're okay with that? Yeah. I think so. I would like that. I, I would have been. Like, I think no matter There's what. nothing wrong with that. You yeah, know? Exactly. It's just that the expectations yeah, of, yeah, yeah. The, of you know, parents, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. if they are successful professionals, yeah. that they would like. I would have been completely okay with whatever, wherever music took me. Because oh. I think the, all of us knew that I was... I had a talent in it, and I was good at it. I was good enough at it to, like, succeed in any kind of um, capacity. Right. The only variable in this case was how much work I was willing to put in. You know, mm-hmm. if I if I if I was just going to 
um, be an occasional, you know, maybe like one, one, two times a month, do like wedding events, and then the rest of the time I, I teach or something. Then that's completely viable as well. Like I could have earned a decent living from that. Mm-hmm. Or if I wanted to be like a full time, like five, four nights a week bar singer, uh, that could have been viable as well. Or if I wanted to just be full time into teaching, or maybe give private lessons, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Didn't think I would go to China and do a thing in. And like sing with Jay Chou and all that stuff. Like that was a whole other thing. But um, yeah, I think we always knew um, there was a baseline like ability mm-hmm. to succeed in music. Mm-hmm. The only thing that, the only factor there was the amount of work I was willing to put in, and the mm-hmm. amount of like dedication and like mm-hmm. focus I wanted to put into this thing. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing that would determine like, you know, exactly what that success would have been. Yeah. So you so you went to Berkeley. Yeah, right. That was a very eye-opening experience, because um, <clears throat> most of my friends at the time were the friends I grew up with in secondary school, and like none of them were musicians, mm-hmm. none of them were singers. Mm-hmm. They're actually terrible singers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no. Um, no, but like none of them were were musicians. None of them were, were in entertainment or like right. yeah, um, and. I really, I, I really enjoyed that because I was able to just like you know, still have a social group that was not not music, not music, not caught up in a, a lot of the weird industry stuff, and I was able to have like a somewhat normal like um, uh, childhood and youth, mm-hmm. right? But what I didn't realize was that I didn't surround myself enough with like like-minded people, like mm-hmm. musicians, performers, people that just knew what that experience was like. Mm-hmm. Not to the extent of it until I went to Berkeley. Yeah, because I, I, of course I had some musician friends in Singapore, some 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 peers and all that, but they were few and far between. Them. Most of the people that I worked with here were like twice, three times my age. Um, it's only recently that you have younger people coming up in the, in the local music scene, right? Yeah. Um, but when I went to Berkeley, I started meeting all these people like my age, younger than me, that were like so hungry, so talented, could like sing circles around me, you know? And it's then that you realize like, first of all, like how tiny you are, like how much of a big fish you were in a very small pond. Mm -hmm. And then you realize how much more there is to learn. Mm -hmm. And you realize like how much more you need to figure out. And something about that, like you have either of two responses, right? It either lights a fire underneath your ass and you just completely just go for it, or you become terrified and you retreat and you become f- afraid. Yeah. And I kind of went through both. <clears throat> in the beginning, I was very afraid. In the beginning, I was like, holy shit, like, I can't do this. Like, I, I, like, this guy just wrote a song that I could never dream of writing. This guy just sang a song in a way that I could never dream of singing in that way. Like, these people are just so much better, so much more talented. What am I doing here? Mm. Right? So that was like the first like month and a half, two months of school. Mm-hmm. I was very like um, lukewarm about it. I just kind of went for the classes. I just kind of like you know existed in between spaces. Mm-hmm. And then about like towards the end of the second month, I was like I started putting myself out there a bit more, mm-hmm. auditioning for random things, meeting more people, joining different groups, like helping in different projects. And then you realize that everyone is just as afraid. Everyone is oh. just as clueless. Even the person that you think is like the most amazing singer in the world, even he is dealing with the exact same like fears and insecurities that you are. And then everything just became like amazing because 
you realize that you're surrounded with by people that like it's like Berkeley is basically a school full of like the freaks and nerds, love. like the art the art nerds and the art freaks okay. that, that were like a but bit. But it's not it's not school. an easy school to get into, right? You yeah, have I to, don't I don't yeah, I, it's a, it's like yet. the place to be for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like it's it's kind of like this very beautiful collection of like freaks love mm. in all in this school. And then when you finally realize that, when you all finally come together with that like common knowledge, like that's when the magic can like really happen, like the collaborations, the projects, just like the relationships that you build. Um, yeah, I improved a lot over there as a performer, as a musician, as a person. Um, just like the kind of opportunities that you force yourself to go for okay. when you're in an environment like that, especially as a foreign student with no mm-hmm. work visa and like if you want to if you like performing if you like singing go for an open mic go busk on the streets go to the train station sing outside you know and did you do oh yeah tons of times I remember I did an open mic once and when they say open mic over there they mean open mic it's not just like open mic for singers it's open mic for (laughs) whoever the hell wants to go up on the stage and do something in front of a microphone so I remember once I was feeling very itchy and I wanted to perform and I wanted to test out some new songs so I went with a friend called Sam and uh, we took a we took a cab to like the outskirts, like the suburbs of, of Boston. Mm-hmm. And we went to this bar that we saw on, on their Facebook page had an open mic. And it was like a very like dingy. It couldn't get any dingier in my memory. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't that bad in real life, but in my memory, I'm seeing this smoky place with black and red lights and like the walls are just torn, and the toilet smells like ass, and like everything is just <laughs> kind of, you know, off. Um, but it had character, you know, and it had, it had regular customers and all that. I went for this open mic, brought my guitar, brought my songs, I was ready to go. And then right before me, this guy came up on stage, and he looked uh, like he was lacking a place to sleep for the night. Uh-huh. And he just stood in front of the microphone and he brought two Barbie dolls and he was like, meet my friends and he started having a conversation with them and started having like a whole five minute like mini play with these two dolls. Like just like that? Yeah, yeah, hey. like, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Hey Barbie! And like fully into it. Like he was just like, he, he it, it, I thought at first it was like a comedy bit but no, like this was just like him. It's drama. Yeah. And I was like, Alright, cool. So how, big was the, how big was the audience? Oh, not very big at all. So like just eight, nine people. Eight, nine people, okay. Like five of them were like on the list for the open mic. So like really it wasn't that many people. Okay. Um, but yeah, things like that. Like it, it, it opened up the doors to a lot of like really interesting life experiences that mm-hmm. kind of make up. I don't know. Like I, I would like to think that that performance there that night after Crazy Doll Man... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is part of the tapestry when I end up like singing on, say, like the Esplanade stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the thought process and the effort that I put in on, like, say, the Esplanade stage is the exact same that I put in on that stage then, mm-hmm. and I and I weave it into the same story. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how, if I really want to break it down, like, of course I don't really do that that often. But I guess that's how like I find comfort and I just kind of find like home on stage because mm-hmm. like. I've experienced so much crazy stuff on a stage, I guess, that it doesn't feel like this platform where you have to showcase and exhibit yourself. It just feels like another place to go to. You what, would you say it's like during this period that you really got hungry and like really were, became really sure about your passion? Or 
I think so. I think it was during that period that I was the most inspired. Okay. I had the. It was the time where I was the, the most insecure about myself as well. And I think that's when you also when when like the coolest stuff comes out when you really start to doubt your ability and you force yourself to like prove it to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's when you start to really surprise yourself and make things that even you can be pleasantly surprised with when you have that fear struck into you, you know. Mm-hmm. You like that? Oh, I like that a lot. I really like that. I like that kind of pressure. Also, my stomach just rumbled. I don't know if the mic picked that up. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I really like that feeling. I like mm. that feeling of being completely out of my depth. And uh, I'm kind of in the middle of that, like, as we speak right now. Like, fresh, because we just finished wrapping the film, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a terrifying process for me. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And it's kind of put me into this interesting space where, like, I'm back there again. Yeah. So, like, I've been writing a lot again. I've been, like... Um, also, you get inspired when you're yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Was that why you joined Sing China in the first place? Oh, yeah. Just I mean, probably. I, I mostly joined it because, like, I, w- I didn't like being scared of it. You were, were you scared of it? I was scared of it because they, they had asked me the year before and I said no. Um, I had an excuse, but if I wanted to, I really could have done it. Mm-hmm. But I told them no. I told them I was busy, but it was really because I was terrified of it. And then they came back the second year, and I was like... Uh, when you say they, they looked for you, yeah. you mean the producers, they called you? Yes. Right. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, when they came back the second year, I, I, like, part of me was thinking, like, oh, like, this is a really hard-to-come-by opportunity, like, mm. like I, will they ask me again next year? Mm-hmm. So, like, it was that kind of thing where... I didn't want to let go of an opportunity, yep. but I also just didn't like that I was so afraid of it. And like looking back, I had all the right to be afraid of it. It was a very illogical decision to make, but I was happy I made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a very illogical decision. So what decision pushed to you make. to make the, the decision? Fear, like just being terrified of it. And like, I didn't know what that possibly would have done. Like, I had full intention of just showing up, not passing the audition, go home, have a cool story to tell, and have another like life. The experience. first round. Yeah, yeah. Like, because okay. I've seen the show before, and I've seen like perfectly good singers just not get picked. Yes. And so it's kind of like, what are they looking for? They're mm-hmm. looking for a story. They're looking for somebody with an interesting backstory or some kind of like uh, gimmick or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I had any of that for, to offer them, right? Um, so yeah, it was just. It really, even to this day, the decision still doesn't make any sense. But I'm happy I made it. Yeah. yeah. I watched um, watch all the clips actually. Yeah. Um, your first, your first, uh, your first round. You didn't. You know, I I, I interviewed uh, Joanna as well. Yeah. So um, when she did her first round, right? Yeah. You could tell she was like everything she got. You know, mm-hmm. like but I, I didn't see that for you. You know, you were just delivering a song yeah. and then just. Enjoying the stage and, but but you you said like you you were there prepared to you know you might you might get kicked yeah. off on the first round, mm-hmm. but you didn't go in you know trying all guns blazing like showing off all the talents that you had. What was the strategy and the plan there? Is it individually or with your company? You oh no no formulate this, something? this was this was like fiercely independent. This whole process <laughs> <laughs> like frustratingly independent to the point where like yeah it, I w- I just really didn't know what I was doing, but um. I don't know, it, it was, I just wanted to put on a good show. And for me, it wasn't really about like um, 
pulling out all the stops on the first run. I didn't think I was going to come back for a second time, but I also didn't see a reason why I need to like compromise the song, you know? Yeah, the song didn't the need it. The integrity of the song. Yeah, the song didn't need it. The performance didn't need it. I think it needed to stay as like untouched as possible, kind of just, just very, just kind of have my expression of it, right? And yeah, I, I, I honestly did not like put a whole lot of thought into it. I just knew that I wanted the song to sound like this, and this is the arrangement, mm-hmm. and let's go. Yeah, I didn't put like a lot of strategy or planning into it. Mm-hmm. It was very much like week to week. It was just like, yeah, <laughs> like that was what week to week it felt like. It was very much like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But you you were doing it. Were you with any company at the point of time? Were you signed? To it? So you were just a- alone. Yeah. So the only point in the competition where like I didn't have control at all was the finals, because that one was like we had like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. They needed three songs, and they basically had them all picked out before anything started and then they were just I mean the songs were picked out something like that like okay. they gave us like this bunch and they were like okay so these are your options and then you choose mm-hmm. and then it, uh, as the days went by we were just kind of like they would just kind of keep whittling it down from a list of five to four three two one that kind of thing right um, so a bit less control in that sense but for the most part I was happy with the level of control that I did have mm-hmm. like they were very open to like the song choices and mm-hmm. everything like that even though they might have been a bit weird Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have had I have quite a lot of friends who are singers, pop stars mm. um, you would um, and one thing that I observe uh, which is very typical in the, in the industry is that they don't have control over yeah. their careers yeah. like I would say absolutely none, yeah. if you are good, lucky enough you get like maybe 10% saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right? I'm, I'm sure you know that that's the norm, right, yeah. but for you you always had, it always seems like you just did whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain like like why and how? I don't know. Um, I guess like I, I just I don't know. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Like I started my career when I was 14, 15 under a management contract. And around that time I yeah, I kind of had that feeling where I had less control. But also, I don't know if it was because I had, le- I had less control or because I was just way too young and I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I submitted control because I didn't know better. Like, I couldn't claim to know what to do next. I didn't even understand the significance of recording a CD at the time. You know, mm-hmm. I just had no idea. I was 14. I'm like, trying to like, go to school and, like, make yep. my, and do the homework for my tuition class. You know? like, music was a very kind of like, I don't know what the hell this is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like a hobby. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, d- I didn't really have that much control then, but also I just didn't know what to do then. Um, when I started becoming independent in uh, 17, mm-hmm. 16, 17, around JC period, um, that was when I started like trying to figure things out a little bit more for myself. Mm-hmm. Like trying to figure out what was happening here, like what I wanted to do trying to understand the landscape a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started a YouTube channel. Um, and I, I, I deleted them like a year and a half ago, right? Because just in case, um, I, yeah. Oh, you deleted your YouTube channel? No, 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 no. But like, so, so here's the thing. When I first started my YouTube channel, it was because I wanted to start writing original songs again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to put them out there. 
I didn't know how to understand what people felt about my songs before I recorded them properly and put them on CD. Mm. So what I did was I recorded these songs very roughly on my laptop. I put them on YouTube. And instead of me singing them, I, I would just film like my soft toys because <laughs> I, I was very shy to be on camera at the okay. time. You was 14? I was 15, 16. 15, 16. 16, 16. 16. Yeah, so oh, like, like going to JC. I would just like film like a teddy bear or like my Iron Man toy or like some weird thing and just have the song go on in the background. Mm-hmm. And the videos just got weirder and weirder and they started having like weird scenes and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and then it got to a point where I was like, this is stupid, I should just sing the songs in front of the camera. Um, but that's kind of where the whole independent streak started because mm-hmm. I started recording those songs myself very roughly. But I would put them out, I would listen to the responses, I would like read the comments, I would take that and put that into the writing. Wow. And it was then that I started feeling a bit, I, I felt a much deeper connection to the audience as opposed to before when I was younger, when I was just like, show up to this event and sing this song, show up to this event and sing this song. Mm-hmm. I record this CD and go, and go to this event to promote that CD. Mm-hmm. This time I was actually listening to the audience, I was talking to them, I was getting their thoughts on my lyrics and my songs and my melodies, um, the weird videos even. And uh, I did that for about like a year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. before I really started like recording them properly and then like going out to perform them properly. Um, but yeah, like it wasn't even that huge of an audience. I think the biggest video got like 12,000, 15,000 views. That's pretty high back then though. That's pretty high back then. Looking back, I guess, yeah. yeah. You mean this is the of the teddy bear and the Iron Man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but were you, um, did you feel yourself going after the numbers or was it no, like no, a it more was intimate? Very, it was very much like a... Stomach's back again. Uh, it wasn't a numbers thing, but I very much wanted to show off what I could do with my songwriting. I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I very much wanted to show off what I could do with my songwriting. I wanted to improve in it. I wanted to prove to myself that I could write songs and that I could do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling bursts of confidence. Like, say, when I wrote something and I was happy with it, and then I record it, I put it up there, and then the next day I read the comments and other people like it. And that was very, like, that was so empowering to me because it encouraged me to just do more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one song called The Wisdom Tooth Song that um yes, not, all, all these are not on your channel anymore I you took them now them, why yeah. would you do that uh, just because like, it's on private I'm sure right it's not yeah, like yeah. deleted right I, 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 it's on private okay. mostly because um, I think I want to save those for a rainy day because I kind of want to keep some of those for like just memory's sake and just. Yeah. Can I can I watch one after? Oh yeah, okay, I'll send oh, you a private fuck. link or whatever. Yeah, that was kind of when I got my streak of like a taste of independence and mm-hmm. like what it's like to be an artist with control and yep. like having that kind of control over things, right? So I left the contract that I had previously, and for the next. Also, oh, you were already in a contract when you were fourteen, fifteen, yeah, 14 16. fourteen to fourteen to. Uh, 17, 18. Right. But it didn't do much. Uh, like the I did quite I did quite a bit actually. It was right. just I didn't Oh the, the company like did do Oh right, right. Writing. No, honestly I think they did their best. I honestly okay. think they did their best. I think it was very much a thing where I was too young and I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't mm. understand the weight of it. I didn't put that much thought or significance into it. So because of that they weren't able to do much with me because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. You know? And um they were, I, want, I, I wouldn't use the word controlling, but they were guiding me along. Right. But they weren't the strongest of guides either. Mm. So those two things put together just ended up in like a 
big group of people with no direction. Yeah. Yeah. Happens so I think, very often. Yeah. yeah. So I think what needed to happen was for me to figure out what that direction was. I wish I was one of those child prodigies that knew from the get-go, but I just, I'm just really not, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed to have those years alone mm-hmm. of doing it without a company, of doing it without people, to just, like, figure out what I wanted to do. And it was in those years that I, I, I found that independence. I found that love for creating and that love for, like, connecting to an audience mm-hmm. and, like, really understanding what this performance thing was about, right? Mm-hmm. And that lasted all the way from like 17, 18, all the way till like right after Sing China, pretty much. That independent streak. Yeah, yeah. but but it's one thing to to want to be independent, and there's another thing that whether the industry or the companies they will allow you to be independent. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm sure there was a there was the fight of like for control over your content or power. Or was it like something that you you say from the get go? Like you know, if I don't get control over this and that, because I've be, I've seen like careers that are very successful because of that control, giving out that control, and but many careers that have gone to shit, complete shit, because they gave out control and the company just basically put them into like yeah, cookie-cutter roles and then, you know, do, like, yeah. oh, you are a boy next door. Oh, you are like, oh, but they are not. You they know? don't and, understand yeah. the artist. Yeah. They don't understand the person they're so, working with. So how, how do you, I mean, you must have dealt with that, right? Yeah. Have you or? Oh, definitely. There was a bit of that when I was working in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think both, of, both sides were getting to know each other a bit more. And I don't think we had enough time and space to do that um, because I was working there very intermittently. So again, I don't blame anybody. It was very much like a both sides thing. I didn't know myself enough. They didn't know understand me well enough. And I think a lot of these things just needed time. Like I think a lot of these things, like <clears throat> as cool as these big contracts are or these big singing competitions are, and I would fully support anyone who wanted to go for these things, right? Because they, they, they offer you platforms. Mm-hmm. But I also want to, like, advise caution, lah, because these things can throw you into a space where, like, you are completely unequipped and completely unprepared for. And that might either... And and those things can either cause you to rise up to the challenge, Mm -hmm. if you're up for it, and um, be something much bigger than you you realize that you could be, Mm -hmm. or it could, like, completely demoralize you and terrify you and just, like, you know, kill your passion for music as a whole. So, like... Whenever I see young people like signing up for contracts or signing up for competitions, like it, it's always a, f- a slight caution, you know. Like I fully support it. I fully support like trying to put yourself out there, trying to mm-hmm. find an opportunity. But at the same time, it's also like spend some time and like really figure yourself out as a musician, as a performer. Like not so much that do you really want to do this. That's a big question. It's more so like, what do you want to do if you're given the opportunity to do this, you know? Do you just want to sing someone else's songs? Do you want to be exactly like this artist? Do you want to um, make someone cry? Do you want to make someone laugh? Do you want to make someone understand where you're from? Do you want to make someone understand um, 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 the true meaning of, I don't know, your religion or something like that? Anything. (laughs) What is your intention? What do you want to do? And I think it's near impossible to demand that from like a 14, 15-year-old spot yeah it's so hard it's impossible I mean like you have kids like kids are we're idiots for the most part yeah we're kind (laughs) of idiots yeah we are we need a lot of help we need a lot of guidance and like on the rare occasion that you have a prodigy that just knows and can like create a whole like symphony in their head when they're eight like good on you like great but for the most part like young people like myself at the time we just need a lot of like 
guidance, not necessarily encouragement, but like just like what is it you want to do? What do you want to do with it? Who do you want to do it for? So, so can I say for you, you have always wanted to do your own music, like write your own music, mm. right here, and that you use that as a like a like a compass. Like if there's a because there'll be contract yeah. like you just sign and then I'll do whatever I want with you. It's mm. a big company. You're gonna yeah. have three albums in uh, yeah. five years, and then yeah. usually it comes like that. It's not, yeah. and then you say that, oh, but I wanna like like choose my own like song for yeah. the album, and then they'll be like, yeah, like no, they don't wanna do that with you. Yeah. What? So how do you like do you like push away contracts like that or? And sing China, they are yeah. they are famous for you yeah, know yeah, yeah. making people sign like yeah, yeah, long yeah. contracts. Yeah, they so actually they like? actually start poaching you right after the auditions. Oh, so right after, right after anyone that passes the auditions, they immediately look for you that night mm-hmm. and go like, so here's a contract, you want to sign it with us, you know, it lasts this long, here's the things, you'll be doing these shows, and um, you can stay here, we'll provide you with this, is this. But from the beginning, I was always very adamant, like, no. Um, even though I knew it would affect, um, like, my chances. But I just... Do you think that? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the but, same, same <laughs> conversation with Joanne. Yeah, I don't know. But I always just said no. Like I just kind of like no. I don't. I don't want any part of this contract. Not because I think it's a bad contract. I just think it was a bad contract for me at the time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of other people could have benefited from a contract like this, um, especially like a completely new singer from China or something yep. like that. But not me at the time because mm-hmm. it was like a how long was it? It was like an eight-year contract. Starting effective immediately after the competition, um, and then the percentage cuts were just like really uh, weird. Um, but it was like it was it was basically a thing where they're asking you to like, hey, so here's Give me a, piece a soul. Of, no, like here's a piece of paper. <laughs> stay in China, move to China completely. After like I sang one song on one stage in China, and then I have to make this decision to like, do I want to live here for the rest of my life or like for the rest of my I youth? Know. Until I'm 30, so it's kind of like, nah, dude. I don't <laughs> no, but for like, I would, you, for like most people, yeah. like who they, who are like, oh my god, I have this opportunity to sing yeah. for this thing, and I get offered that contract is like an opportunity of a lifetime. They will sign it in a heartbeat. Don't you think so? I think I just had a lot more time and experience because at mm-hmm. that point I've been singing for like uh, 10 years, yeah. and I've had experiences. I've read contracts. Mm-hmm. I've been in those environments before mm-hmm. to know that it's not always what it seems, Bimbles right? And cons. Yeah, like you always, like, I remember when I was younger, definitely, whenever, whenever I met these kind of people, mm-hmm. like the kind of, like, people that make you sign stuff, the kind of people that make you, like, go come on board for projects and things like mm-hmm. that, it wasn't until I was older that I realized that, like, maybe 70% of these people are full of shit. They're always just kind of, That's like, a low percentage, I would say. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'm, I got lucky. But, like, I didn't realize until I was older, you know, and then I think at that point, I was fully aware that these people exist, um, not necessarily bad people, just people looking for an opportunity that overlook, you know, the importance of human life and well-being. But um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I knew from the get-go that I'm not going to sign that. And they just kept asking every week. So like, how about now? Nope. How about now? Nope. How about now? Nope. Cool. All right. Um, eventually, I did uh, uh, set, up, set myself up in China. Mm-hmm. and um, You set up your own company, right? Yeah, something like that. So I'm, I'm partnering up with a local music uh, music label over there, but through an independent company. So that way there's a little bit more autonomy. So as mm-hmm. opposed to like a long partnership with a local label, 
Because you kind of need to work with a local label over there that understands yeah. the market a bit Definitely, more. Definitely, yeah. So as opposed to a long-term relationship with a local label, it's a long-term relationship with myself and short-term partnerships with local labels. So it's kind of like, wow. and this is advice to anybody wanting to sign, always try to sign shorter contracts. Not because like, you, know, you think you're going to fail or anything, it's just very much like, can I work with these people? Mm. If I can, then great, let's extend that two years into four years. If I can't, then cool, let's just like, call it a wrap here and then go on to something else mm-hmm. after two years. Because mm-hmm. when you're in the beginning of something, you're always excited, you're always uh, you know, in yep. the highest of hopes, yep. and like this is going to go amazingly, let's sign for 20 years or something like that. Yep. You, know, you don't know what's going to happen in six, eight, nine, ten months. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's always going to change. Um, the status quo will always yep. shift. No one's going to love you forever. Mm-hmm. You've know, you got to take all these things with a grain of salt. You need to make sure that you have a realistic view of not just... Um, the business and the work, but also a realistic view of like yourself and like yeah. what, how people will perceive you in a year or two years mm-hmm. and what you can do about that. My stomach is going crazy. I'm so sorry. It's fine. <laughs> to we the guy will that has to not cut this. that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be like, there's a demon mm. in the background. <laughs> demon in your tongue. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway. So, I, you have been, um, I've been looking at your, some of your work, yeah. you know, you can see the progression for sure. Yeah. And then now you're at a stage whereby you're trying to break the China market yeah. as well. And you can see, like, Electricity is your, your English song and then you sang yeah. the Chinese version, right? Yeah. And then, like, you can tell there's, like, a, a huge difference in, yeah. in the way your MVs are yeah. and, and, and the performance are. Do you... Um, how do you make these decisions? Do you feel like you have to kind of... I mean, you have to fit a market. Yes. You know, it's always that balance of yeah, yeah, yeah. fitting that market and by still being yourself. But do you feel like you, you kind of have to be torn in a way to fit the China market? Well, th- okay, so those two videos were filmed like two years apart, I think. About a year and a yeah. half, two years apart. Yeah. And um, I think both videos represent me exactly like the way I would have liked to, to okay. be honest. Because the first one was, was before any of the China stuff happened. I was very much in like a fiercely independent, like, you know, fiercely music in Singapore kind of thing. Like that whole MV, like I like I co-directed and like storyboarded and shot the whole. Like, wow. I didn't shoot it, but like I, I hired everyone that worked on it. Wow. Like like got choreography done and all that stuff. I didn't choreograph it, but I got people to help out and everything. Um, I was carrying the equipment in like my van and everything. Like it was that kind wow. of shoot. Uh, and we shot over two days. We had to hire all these like um, uh, extras and dancers and like figure out the venue. So that video is very much like a baby to me because hmm. like I remember second to second what we did every day and being terrified before the shoot and then being just completely lost during the shoot and then being very happy afterwards when we got into the editing and I edited the video and everything um, it was a it was very much like um, yeah this is my baby I felt very like happy with it you know yeah. Um, you produced it like from scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it represented me. Like I wish I had. I wish the song had a better mix, but whatever. Um, uh, the Chinese version of it, it was definitely much more popified. Um, I thought the arrangement was a really interesting kind of like um, re-energetic, uh, re-energizing of the song. Um, and the video itself, even though I had a lot less kind of um, uh, control over the actual shooting of it. Um, 
I still storyboarded everything with the director Leslie beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like we we sat down and like I was like, okay, cool. So here's the idea. Here's what we're gonna do. I think this would be a cool thing to do. I think this scene and then we we can have a story like this. Blah blah, blah like a very rough story. So yeah, it was I was still very much part of the creative process. I think that's just something that I can never like fully let go of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where like, do you think that come from? Com- comes from though. Being like, stubborn. You, you, you are. <laughs> Yeah. I have to say that a lot of this, like, it sounds like when you're saying it, it's like, oh, it sounds very normal, but it's not normal. It, it's almost like a business yeah. part to the, the. I think the, it's being the, stubborn. Yeah. I honestly think it's being stubborn, but I also think it's like um, a very real insecurity in myself to prove myself to people. You okay. know, I think it's a very real thing that I feel like I, I want to prove to you that I can do this. Mm-hmm. And like, I think. For the most part, I try to approach it logically. When I was younger, I may, I may have tried to approach it with too much bravado and just kind of like, you know, like, look at me, you know, this <laughs> I can do. But now, I think I approach it with a bit more logic where, like, I make sure I can deliver first. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I will, I will do things that will make other people know that I can deliver. Then that way, I can demand that trust and I can demand that kind of, like, um, uh, controller. Um, and for the most part, it's been, yeah, it's been decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there has to be some kind of compromise when you're working with, like, you know, like, bigger companies or very, like, general family-oriented things mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to kind of pull back a bit and yep. be a little less insane. But I think for the most part, I've been very lucky to collaborate with people who are very open to giving me that control, to mm-hmm. trust me of that control. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of happened the way it happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see from your body of work that mm. you you always had like good friends around you yeah. who you can trust on, and you're yeah, yeah, always yeah. working with them, and yeah. then like eventually, and I think that's amazing to see, mm. like to know that it's gonna be safe because a lot of times the the trouble is that you follow a singer mm. um, because he's like like an album or like a song, mm. and then you realize that that's not gonna stay because mm. he does it's not his voice. It's just mm. like many people telling him many different things, and yeah. he's just following, and he kind of get sometimes he get very famous, you know. Yeah. But their music kind of just Takes you don't know where yeah, it yeah. goes nowhere. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's amazing. Um, you, you know, like Crazy Rich Asians is like coming yeah. out, right? Yeah. Have you ever been compared? To like being like a crazy rich Asian. Um, hey man. Like, okay. I I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. my 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 point of view is that I've been yeah. stalking you for a while now. Yes. And um, like when I first heard of you, actually I, I knew you since I was in the army mm. and your brother. Yes. Norman. And then um, but I just kind of kind of thought, oh, this young kid is like yeah. doing stuff. And after that, like when you came out from Sing China mm. and then people were talking about you, and I was like. It's like, damn, this guy is good looking. Mm. You know, like, <laughs> good family background, Mm-mm. and then so freaking talented. You're like, and then, and then I, I, I'm sure it's not just me. Mm. The general feeling is that, yeah. like, you know, he has it all like yeah. done for him. Yeah. He doesn't have to do it much. You know, he's good looking. Yeah. He has everything. He has the money. He has the the opportunity. It's just lined up, right? Which is very different from what you have been ex- discussing. What I've been saying so far. It's not an easy path. You had to go through a lot of trials and tribulation, and a lot of it's independent. I think one thing that I I I, I want to be very real with and like not neglect is that I, c- I come from a background of privilege for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I come from a family that money was never an issue or rarely an issue, and I think 
as much as possible, I've always tried to keep it separate, like from my from my work life, um, the work life, mm-hmm. and just kind of like not have it be a, that big of a factor. I didn't want to look at it as a safety net. I never wanted to look at it as like um, uh, this 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 um, never-ending reservoir or something that I could always use as a support or a, a, a safety net. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to neglect the fact that because I had this security, because that safety net was there, like, I had the space to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I had the space to made, make the choices that I made without having the fear of, like, will I, you know, uh, like, can I, can, I, can I still support myself? Will I be able to, like, financially support myself? Thankfully, because... Like, from a very young age, I had jobs that paid. Like, I was 15, 16, and I was getting, like, 2,000 bucks for a gig. And that's, like, a lot of money for a 15-year-old. Like, 2,000 bucks for a 15-year-old. And, like, you know, you give, like, 30% to the company, you keep 70% of 2,000 bucks. And that's it's, like, a lot of money. You know? I didn't spend wow. I didn't spend it, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, what the hell do you spend money on when you're that young? Mm-hmm. I think I bought a guitar, and I bought a PS3. That's about it. That's literally the two that's things. That's the that life already. Yeah, those are the that's two the things life. that I bought with my gig money when I was younger. I bought a guitar and a PS3 and PS3 games. Um, but other than that, yeah, like, I fully acknowledge that that environment, that family upbringing, that level of comfort, it gave me the space. It mm-hmm. definitely gave me the ability to not need to worry about much else. But as much as possible, I always tried to, like, keep it separate and not have it really affect me too much and not have it become... Um, like something that I rely on, you know, because mm-hmm. I always knew that I, I wanted to be my own person. I always wanted. I always knew that no matter what I did, I wanted to make sure that it was something that I created for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the stubbornness that I have by default. Um, so even if it wasn't music, I always knew that I wanted to do something separate from like what the family business was. So you were always very aware of who you are, what your family is, and you're always very... make the effort to yeah. not, not merge the two together. Because, I mean, like... I mean, I can say this as much as, as, as I want, yeah. but the th- truth is money is kind of the great equalizer. Mm. It's the thing that everyone can relate to. It's the thing that everyone can identify. Like, um, like this person has a lot of it, so he must have this kind of life. This person has very little of it, so he mu- must have this kind of life. Mm-hmm. We more or less think we can always identify because it's yeah. such a common denominator, right? Yeah. Um, but it's because of that that I don't blame anyone for thinking whatever they might want to think. Like mm-hmm. that's completely fine. Like the judgments are probably valid, and I just hope that whatever people think about it, they are thinking about it in the right way. You know, uh, in the sense that you can think whatever you want about me. You can think I'm like some rich asshole, whatever it is. You can think I'm 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 uh, 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 like sitting pretty, whatever it is, right? But I hope that you take that thought and instead of going like look at that guy over there with all the things that he has like screw that guy I hope you don't think that and think instead look at that guy and all he has how do I make that happen for myself because I feel like that's kind of what I've tried to do as much as possible but that's hard what you know in a oh way. yeah it's yeah, hard, I mean it's, it's, in, in yeah. a way that because um, you see, it's hard for like a, like a lay, layman to, yeah, to yeah, think yeah. that because they say like I'm just not born like in that way. Yeah. Right. So how how do I? But you can manifest success in whatever it is in whatever capacity. It just depends on how you want to define it. If you if you define your success completely by how much is in your bank account, then yeah, I'll say that that journey is going to be a little tougher if mm-hmm. you for for anybody. But that really depends on how you want to measure it. Really, 
Like, I, I can count so many occasions in my life where I've seen somebody who is better than me or more than me or just, like, above me in whatever way, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I can see myself, I can track myself getting better or improving because I put myself around that person and I looked at it as an opportunity to learn more and I looked at it as an opportunity to, like... Um, how do I meet that expectation? How do I become more like this person? As opposed to like just being bitter mm-hmm. and just being like, screw that guy, you know? Like, he has this, he has that, like, what else, you know? Screw that guy. It was more so like, that's a really cool thing and I'm jealous and I, it's a good kind of jealousy. Mm. I want to like, have that for myself, you know? Mm. So it's, um, a, it's a mindset thing. Yeah, I think so. But you, how do you deal with being like discounted? Do you, do you take, it, take it personally? Like, no, have you had any experiencing? Not at, all, not at all. I think everyone is, 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 is entitled to their judgments. And I, it's, it's more of like, I don't want to control. I don't want to like, direct where It doesn't affect thinking. you emotionally either. It doesn't really affect me emotionally. It's more so like, it affects me in the way that like, it makes me want to be undeniable. That's really the only thing. Because I put a lot of my own self-worth in like what I do, right? In my music, mm-hmm. in my performance, and like the things that I put out there. Um, that's probably like all my self-worth put in there because what else do I have, right? <laughs> but like, um, it's the kind of thing where I just want to make sure that you can think whatever you want to think, but I hope on the side you also think like, yeah, but he, he can sing. Or like, he, he sounds it, or whatever it is, you know? I just hope that you can have that thought at the same time. I just want to make sure that Whatever I do in the future, whatever I do now, it's like I can make sure that I am undeniable in it. That like people don't question that I'm doing it. You know, you can question my background as much as you want. That's fine. Like that's your right. Like that, that's it's my story, but it's your right to have your view. You know, it's more so like I'm just gonna keep doing what I do and hope that it's it makes me proud. It makes other people excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoo. Inspiring (laughs) shit. Okay, let's just wrap it up. Um, Yeah. You get to ask a question to our audience. It can be any question. Ask a question to your audience? Yeah. Okay. So it can be any any question you want. It can be about you, it can be about life, it can be about something silly. Um, Best brand of underwear. I'm currently looking to jump ship. Fantastic. Do you want to show? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. No, no, thank no. you. Wait, then, then okay. Oh no, that's not a real question. I'm, I'm glad I did that in you. Know. Oh, you're fine. No, no, actually, okay. fine. Right, give me like a good, good brand of underwear to. You to, have another. You to. have another chance. You want to ask another? <laughs> <laughs> you get two questions. Um, yeah. What do you guys want to hear next? Chinese songs or English songs? I'm curious. Okay. We've got both down the pipeline, but I'm just like genuinely curious for where the audience is right now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you want Chinese or English song? <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.